Um, you know those, you know those personality question tests that sometimes you get. That's like um, there's one in particular that I've been thinking about. Like, if if you could go back and choose another profession for your life, uh, what would it be? Um, I'm I'm pretty happy with my current trajectory in life. But if you asked four-year-old Tyler what he would grow up to be, four-year-old Tyler, without a doubt, would tell you that he would be a game show host. Um, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, during childhood, man, my, my, my summer mornings, I was, I was part, you know, I was glued to the USA Network because that's where all the cool game shows were. Uh, I was caught up in, you know, cash and prizes and shows taped before a live studio audience. I mean, that was me. There was one in particular that I was re- thinking about because it's been redone. Like, a lot of the good game shows have always been redone. You ever notice that? They haven't redone Hollywood Squares, though. I'm still waiting for that. Um, they did this game show called To Tell the Truth. You guys, have you seen that one? Yeah, so the premise is they get, like a, they get one person that's done something in their life, like it's a world record holder or something like that, and that's a legit person, but then they get two other people that are like acting to be that person. They're lying, and you have to figure out who the person is that's telling the truth. Well, this morning, what I've done, because I'm really creative, I stole that title for my message this morning. So my message this morning is to tell the truth. And I want to ask you a question to to start things off. So show of hands, this isn't going to be embarrassing, but show of hands, regarding your, your faith journey, how many of you remember the actual moment that you began following Jesus? Show of hands. Okay. Now, how many of you would say that it's like Jesus has always been there. You don't remember the moment that you started following Jesus. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, So why do I ask? I've been thinking about different aspects of our faith, and I've been thinking about just the kind of like the the duality of it, because there are there are parts of our faith that are that are positive and they're encouraging, right? But then there's this other part of our faith that is a little tougher to talk about. And to tell you the truth, there's parts of our faith that don't get talked about a lot. Um, it's, it's not front and center. Um, we, it's just not shiny. So let me give you a, a, a couple of examples. So the Bible is full. And when I say full, it's full of promises that God gave us when he's talking about assurance and a plan. So what I did is I, I put together two lists for us this morning. So list A, we're not going to go through every one of these verses because there's a lot, but here's list A. And if you put all these scriptures on a piece of paper, this would go on your refrigerator. And so let me, just, let me just roll through a couple of these. Psalm, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Chronicles, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Uh, Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Jeremiah 29.11, famous verse, right? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you future and a hope. And then we've got 2 Corinthians. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. couple more. Psalm 34, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And maybe some of the best news that any of us have ever received, Romans 10.9. If you've declared with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that list is great, right? Can we agree that that's a fantastic list? Like I said, print that out, put it on your your screensaver, your phone. If I were to take that list and put it in just a few words, these are the words that I chose. Blessing, favor, 
salvation, love, peace, grace, freedom, a plan, hope is another one. That is a fantastic list. However, if you've been following Jesus for any time at all, you probably know that that isn't a full picture of our faith, right? There's other parts of our faith that's a little bit harder. Um, That's what I call list B, and here's a few of those verses. Like I said, we're not going to go through all these, but let me, let me give you some, some truths here. In John, um, Jesus says that in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Another translation, you're going to have trouble. Uh, John 15, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. Matthew, again, this is Jesus talking, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Uh, Ephesians says our faith is a battle. I mean, these are some pretty strong words. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, meaning he has schemes against you. Uh, Second Timothy says, we're going to face suffering. Uh, he says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Here's a startling one. In Mark, Jesus says, our faith, our faith is going to cost us something. It says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And something that we've talked about recently, your faith will be tested. It's not a question of if, your faith will be tested. In James, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, not if you face trials, whenever you face trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So if we were going to summarize that list with a few different words, here's some words that I chose. Sacrifice, testing, uncomfortable, battle, suffering, uncertain. And if I'm going to get really honest, not fair, right? Has anybody else experienced something in your faith and said, man, that is not fair? Um, that list doesn't make it on a lot of refrigerators, right? That, that list, a lot of people don't put on their, their phones. And as I look at both of these lists, honestly, I mean, I can identify with both sides and I, I like one, one list much more than the other one. I don't know. How about you? Yeah, there's probably one list that you, that you prefer. But to tell you the truth, um, the second list is part of Christianity, isn't it? It's part of our faith that we don't want to talk about. We don't want to admit because we want people to follow Jesus. We want people in this experience with us because we know it's a better way. And even though so many of Jesus' teachings and parables were concerning list B, he talked about that stuff so much. So this morning what I want to do is I want to look at a really familiar story from the Old Testament, but I want to preface it by saying this story is hard. It's, it's really hard, actually. Um, but this story, as we get into it, I think it's a lot more like our lives than we care to admit. Um, we're going to see in the story, we're going to see a lot of the themes from the second list, but baked in those themes, you're going to see list A, come out. It's in, it's in the same story. And actually what I want to do is it's a very familiar story. So you're going to be tempted just to tune it out because you know this story, but I want to encourage you to hang in there because I want to show you a couple details that I've found over these last few weeks that have been so encouraging. So um, the story I want to look at today is in the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at Abraham's story. And Abraham is referred to uh, sometimes as the father of our faith. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at something in the latter part of his life. 
So before I do that, though, I, when I speak, I, I never assume that we're all on the same page. I know a lot of you guys know Abraham's story, but if you don't, you've come to the right place. I want to I wanna catch us up. Uh, I just want to tell you what has gone on before we get into the story. So Abraham was a guy that was pretty well off in life. He was, he was blessed. He was wealthy. He had a lot of servants. He had a lot of animals. He, he was doing well, highly favored. So one day, what happens? God shows up. God shows up in his life and interrupts his life in a big way. So the, the first time that God shows up in Abraham's life, Abraham was 75 years old. 75, okay? Abraham was married to Sarah, who was 10 years younger than him. So Sarah was 65 years old. And what happens is God calls Abraham out of his tent, which symbolically, that's fantastic because God calls Abraham out of his comfort and into courage. You know, those two things can't coexist. You can't have comfort and courage in the same moment. So God calls Abraham out of his comfort, out of his tent, and he says, come here with me. And, and God tells Abraham, he says, look up at the sky and look up at the stars. And then God makes Abraham a promise. And he says, I'm going to make your descendants more numerous than you can count. Now, that's a pretty big promise for anybody, but this is a pretty big promise for Abraham because as he, as he counted his children, it was easy. Zero. Abraham and Sarah didn't have any kids at this point. So Abraham comes or God comes to Abraham, he says, you're going to have so many descendants, you can't count them. And Abraham says, uh, all right. And so he makes him this promise. And uh, another thing that, that we see in the scriptures is that Abraham and Sarah were past what you would call prime child-rearing years. They were 75 and 65. So this, this is starting to be a big, big promise. And Abraham says, no, you're gonna, your son is going to give birth to a nation that can't be counted. So within that promise, God calls Abraham to leave, to physically leave, to pack up all of his stuff, all of his family, the whole deal, and physically leave. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that's really interesting. God doesn't give Abraham a place. He doesn't say, okay, Abraham, we're going to Butte. No, no, no. He gives him a direction. And I love that detail in the story. I mean, it's easy for me to love that detail. I wasn't there. And so, I mean, think about this. God speaks to Abraham in these specific, vague ways. Like he says, okay, go to one of the mountains I shall tell you about. And go to the land that I will show you. And isn't that like our faith? I mean, so many of us, maybe this is just me, but so many of us, we want the plan, right? We want the blueprint. We want to know, okay, God, this is A, B, and C, and this is, this is what you're doing. But it's not always like that. I think God wants to do it with us. So an example I thought of is, let's say a friend of yours comes and says, hey, I want to, let, let's take our families and let's go up to the cabin in the mountains that we have on the water. Sound great? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so you have two options at that point. You can ask your friend for the address and you can meet your friend there. That'll probably be great. Or you can tell your friend, hey, hop in the car. Let's have a road trip and an experience and then when we get there, it's going to be even better. Our faith is like that second option. We are, we are riding in the car with our Lord, with God. And you know what, you guys? Sometimes the road trip is silent, isn't it? Sometimes there's no radio. Sometimes there's no GPS. Sometimes it's just silent. And that's what Abraham 
was running into. So he steps out in faith. He starts to follow God and he's waiting on this promise for a son. And so he's, he's there with Sarah and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and no son, no son. 10 years go by. You guys think about what you were doing 10 years ago. 10 years go by and still no son. So what do they do? Abraham and Sarah, they're having a little conference meeting, having a little Zoom call, and they say, let's do this. Obviously, God needs help with this miracle. So let's, let's do this. So Sarah says, hey, you've, you've got a servant that's female. Why don't you have a child with her? That's surely what God meant. So they do. Abraham has a child with his servant, and that creates a little bit of a mess, a little bit of a situation. So God comes back to Abraham and Sarah and reminds them of the original promise. He says, no, Sarah is going to have the child. So finally, 25 years after the original promise, how many? 25 years after the original promise, Sarah has her son and they name him Isaac, meaning he laughs. So if you've been doing the math, Abraham is now 100 years old. You guys, that's, that's, that's pretty up there. I mean, we think about this in Bible times and we think that doesn't really matter. No, it, it's a real thing. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah is 90 years old. They waited on the promise of God for 25 years. So they have Isaac. Life is good. And then God intervenes again. And this is the part of the story I want to dive into. So this, this story takes place about, I mean, we don't know for sure. It's about 10 to 20 years after Isaac was born. Um, most of the biblical scholars believe that Isaac was late teenagers or even late 20s. Um, but before we, before we dive into the story, I, ne- I have to be real here. Um, the first time I heard this story, close to 20 years ago, I, I, I had a hard time believing this was in the Bible. I mean, honestly, like the first time you read this story, um, you're, you're probably going to have questions, honestly. And if, if you are one this morning that is, is considering Christianity, considering faith, when you read this story, I hope you have questions because this story is hard. Um, and, you know, there, it might even be a consideration that if you're pursuing Christianity and you hear this story, you might want nothing to do with God because you might say to yourself, how can God do this? How can this be part of our faith that this is in our Bible? But if that's you this morning, hang in there. Hang in there because there, there is a point that we're going to get to. Um, this story, it's kind of like the Autobots. There's more to it than meets the eye. One Transformer fan? One? Okay, two. Great, great. It's a cartoon from the 80s. Never mind. All right, so we're going to dive in. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Some time later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, we have to pause there. Who tested Abraham? God tested Abraham. Not the enemy, not the world, not the devil. God tested Abraham. Super important moving forward. Here I am, he answered. Take your son, God said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Okay, we're, we're getting into the hard part. Look at this language. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. You guys, I can't even begin to imagine what Abraham felt like in that moment. 
at, at first glance, and how I've heard this story so many times, it sounds like this, doesn't it? It sounds like what God is saying is, go to Moriah and kill your son. Isn't that what it sounds like he's saying? I want to show you a tiny, tiny detail that I've discovered about this recently that changes my view of this story. I want to show you two different translations. So on the left, we have the English Standard Version. On the right, we have the New, New International. I've already read the English Standard. Offer him there as a burnt offering. New International says, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Here's something really cool. Whenever I'm looking at language, whenever I'm looking at the original meaning, this is all, these are translations. So this is not the way that the original uh, text was written. We're going to go back to the way it was. So when we look at the original Hebrew, don't be intimidated by this next slide, okay? Man, that is small. Okay, so um, what the original Hebrew says is it says this, and I'm going to come over here and read it. So take your son to the land of Moriah, we're reading right to left, to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. So I know you probably can't see it, but that, that rectangle in red, what that Hebrew word, I'm not even going to pre- pretend to pronounce it, what that means is that means to present up. It's the same definition in our English word of offer as to present as a condition, something like that. It's the same word. So what that means for our story today, and this is what I want us to think about, as well as many of the modern translations, God doesn't specifically say, go kill your son. He doesn't say that. That was not the original language. He doesn't say that. He says, go offer him as a sacrifice. Why does that matter? To put it another way, I can come to you and I can say, John, I am going to offer to mow your lawn today. All 20, I knew that was coming. (laughs) All 20 acres. Right now, John is thinking that's a pretty great deal. And Tyler's thinking, dang it. Did John's lawn get mowed in that transaction? You can go ahead and answer. Is his lawn mowed right now? Why not? I just offered. I didn't mow his lawn. There was an offer, but there was not a consummation of that offer. The offer is exactly that. It's an offer. God told Abraham to offer his son as a sacrifice. He didn't tell him because this is such a picture of our faith and interaction with God. He did not tell him to go kill his son. He said, go offer him. Abraham could have said no. Abraham could have said, I'm not mowing the lawn. But wait, there's more. So Abraham got up early the next morning. He saddled his donkey and he took along two of his servants and his son, Isaac. He split the wood for a burnt offering and he set out for the place God had designated. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will go over there to worship and then we will return to you. You guys, check out verse 5. The boy and I will go over there to worship. I don't know about you, but this story makes me think twice about what worship is. Around here, we, we believe that worship, what we just experienced, it is never the opening act to the sermon. No, no. Worship is so much more powerful than that. Worship is, especially if you look through the Old Testament, the worshipers were the ones in front in the battle. They were the ones plowing the way for the battle. Worship is the part of the service that we get to interact with God, that we get to have our own moment. And Abraham knew that. He said, okay, I've got this, this thing that God, want, he, God wants me to offer up my son. And before we do that, 
we're going to go worship. Does that challenge your faith? It challenges my faith that in the middle of this, Abraham says, we're going to go worship. But that's not all. I want to show you another word in this verse that's been so encouraging to me in the last few weeks. So I mentioned that Abraham is called the father of our faith. You ever wonder, that, that's, a pretty, that's, a, that's a cool business card to have, father of our faith. Here's maybe one reason why he's the father of our faith. So after he tells his servants that they're going to go worship before he offers his son as an offering, he tells the servant this. He says, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will go over there to worship and then we will return to you. We. We will return to you. I have never noticed that word before. He says, he, he's got this promise. He knows he's going to offer his son as a burnt offering. And he says to his servants, we will be right back. That seriously gives me chills. That's the faith in this one gives me chills. Because he says, we're here. I'm going to go present him as an offering and we'll be right back. If that doesn't challenge your faith, friends, I don't know what does. Because that's faith. That is, that's how you get to be the father of our faith, through something like that. Story's not over. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. He himself, Isaac, carried the fire. No, Abraham carried the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac said to his father, My father, here I am, he replied. The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two walked on together. When they arrived at the place God had designated, Abraham built the altar, arranged the wood, and then he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar atop the wood. So you can imagine this is where it gets a little awkward for father and son. This camping trip just took a turn for the worse, right? They got to the place they're going. Abraham builds the altar. He puts the wood there and he starts to tie up his son like you do. So I have always pictured Isaac as a boy here. I've always pictured him young, like, like preteens. But again, when you dig into the history of this, Isaac is likely 25 to 30. And it makes sense because of what we just read. A young boy wouldn't be able to carry all the wood up the mountain. And if he carried all the wood up the mountain, logic would tell you that he can probably overpower a hundred-year-old assassin, right? But there's no record anywhere anywhere that Isaac resisted. There's no record anywhere that he tries to break free. We can't know for sure what was going on in Isaac's mind, but he didn't fight it. At least not that we have record of. So Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Just then the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, said the angel. For I know now that you fear God since you've not withheld your only son from me. Then Abraham looked up and saw behind him a ram in a thicket caught by its horns. So he went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. So that to this day it says, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. If you know this story, then you know that this is a picture of what would happen later with Jesus. Abraham gets the, the ram to sacrifice in the place of his son, just like God would sacrifice his son so that you and I could be here today. You guys, I think this story is a little easier for us, if I'm honest, because we know the end of the story, right? We've always known the story. We've heard it so many times. And I think we lose the weight 
of what was happening there. But, but think about, put yourself back in that moment when Abraham was lifting the knife, when he grabbed it from the sheath and he was lifting the knife. Your son, whom you've waited 25 years for, is on the altar that you built. And you're now lifting the knife that you've carried with you this entire time because you knew what was going to happen with the knife. And we know the end of the story, but Abraham didn't. In that moment, when he raised the knife, Abraham did not know the end of the story. Yes, he had faith. He said to his servant, wait here, we're going to be right back. He had faith. But in that moment, he did not know the end of the story. What was he thinking? What was going on in Abraham's mind at that moment? Would you love to know that? Well, fortunately, we have a bit of insight into what Abraham was thinking. Um, I didn't see this until recently, but this is pretty cool. So if you, if you flip over to the New Testament, it gives us insight into what Abraham was thinking. Uh, if you go into Hebrews chapter 11, which is sometimes called the Hall of Faith, it's kind of the Hall of Heroes. It's a great story about so many faith heroes before us. The author of Hebrews in 11.1 1, reminds us what faith is. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Good reminder of what's at stake. But then in verse 8, it goes, talks about Abraham. And it says, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. If we skip ahead to verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, here's the same word, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Here it is. Check this out. Verse 19. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. There's a little insight into what Abraham was thinking. That he said, okay, even if I go through with this, even if I offer up my son as a sacrifice and God takes me up on the offer, this is not the end of the story. It can't be because God still has the power to raise him from the dead. Because do you remember? What was the original promise? When Abraham came out of the tent, what did God say? He said, look up at the stars. You're going to have a son and your descendants will be too numerous to be counted. Abraham believed. He said, even if I go through this hard difficult thing. I trust God that even if I go through this, God will keep his word. You guys, that's about as real as it gets. It's about as real as our faith gets. This one story is pretty representative of our faith and what it looks like to follow Jesus. After 19 years of marriage, Leslie and I have been through some pretty tough stuff, uh, stuff that I, I wouldn't wish on anybody. And I know that as I look out into the faces of our community here this morning. I know some of your stories and I know you've been through some even tougher stuff. But here's an encouragement for you this morning. Here's an encouragement. When God asks you to do something hard, when you're in that spot like Abraham was and you have a situation in front of you that's really, really hard, you have to remember this. You have to remember what's the truth about the one that brought you here. You remember that old expression, dance with the one that brought you? That's what you have to remember this morning. When you're facing something really, really hard, you have to remember who it is that brought you there. When God asks you to do something uncomfortable or tough, you have to remember, I'd say we get to remember the character of God 
and remember who it is that brought you to that moment. He is a God. Remember list A? He is a God that says, I have a plan and a future and a hope for you. He is in complete control. It doesn't, work, it doesn't mean that everything is going to work out to be sunshine and rainbows. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that God was there yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We have to decide, though, you guys. We have to decide if we trust him enough to keep going. We have to decide if we trust him enough to keep following Jesus, even when it's hard, or even when it's difficult, or even when our faith is going to cost us something. We have to decide if we're up for that. Because after that moment on the mountain, God comes back to Abraham, and he reminds him again of the promise. He says this, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, saying, By myself I've sworn, declares the Lord, that because you've done this and have not withheld your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will multiply your descendants like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will possess the gates of their enemies. Love that. And through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Here's the truth. You and I are here today with our faith, Because Abraham was there with his faith. We can believe and obey because Abraham first believed and obeyed. When something is hard, when something is tough, we want to give up, right? But something I heard recently is somebody told me, when something's really hard and you want to give up, you have to remember you're not giving up on the present. You're giving up on the future. And he went on to say, you're giving up on the what could be. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. True story. Steven Spielberg was rejected from film school three times. Elvis Presley was fired after his first performance. And a guy you probably don't know, Norm Larson, was the inventor of WD-40. He had 39 failed uh, formulas before he found WD-40 but they kept going, right? They kept going. Abraham chose to walk through the hard things. And if he hadn't, who knows where we would be today? We certainly wouldn't be telling his story today. So we started this morning with, with two lists. Remember? List A and list B. When I, when I look at that second list, as hard as it may be, and, and we're going to make these notes available to you so that you can, you can go through these scriptures on your own. When I look at that second list, as hard as it may be, you know what I actually think of? I, I thought of the poem from Robert Frost called Two, Two Roads. Remember that? Robert Frost says, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. You guys, to tell you the truth this morning, the road of faith is the road less traveled. It certainly is. But without a doubt, it has made all the difference in my life. It has made all the difference in my life. And I'm I'm so thankful for it. Even in the hard times, through the good, through the bad, I am thankful. I'm thankful that God is who he says he is. I'm thankful that he has a plan and a future and a hope. And I am so thankful for his perfect timing. Leslie and I basically grew up in the same town. She, She moved here when she was 10. I was born and raised here. We never saw each other. I didn't become a Christian until later in life. We never once ran into each other. We never once saw each other. And I cannot tell you how thankful I am for that. Because if she had known me before I was a Christ follower, 
we would not be in 19 years of marriage today. There is no way. I am convinced. I married up, without a doubt. I'm thankful for his timing. I'm thankful for his sovereignty. I'm thankful for his care. I'm thankful for his calling. I'm thankful for the good times. And yes, the list B, the bad times, because that's what God says. That's how we build our faith. Our faith muscle is built through tension and resistance. So I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray for us this morning. And, and if, if you agree, just, just say yes and amen to that. But I, I, I want to pray for us because I know that, you know, when, when you're in those Abraham moments and your, your hand is here, you don't know how it's going to work out. You need a little boost. And man, if, if I can do anything for you this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. And I want to tell you that the story's not over. There's, there's still a plan. There's still a future. There's still a hope. God still has you. He still sees you. He has not given up on you. Far from it. The road trip might be silent right now, but you're still in the car. You're still, you're still going where he wants you to go. So let me, let me pray for you this morning. God, I, I thank you, Lord, that um, even when we have hard things in front of us, Lord, even when we're, when we're looking at list B, Father, I'm thankful that we can remember the truth about your character, that we can remember the truth about everything that you've done before, everything that you've done to get us to this moment in life, God. I thank you that you haven't forgotten us. I'm thankful that you have a future and a hope, Lord. And God, I just, I just pray for us this morning, Lord, that if, if, there are, if there are folks in that situation, Lord, that they can, they can sympathize with the Abraham moment, God, give them courage, Father. Give them courage to keep going. Give them courage to walk through what you've placed in front of them, Father. I pray that you would be speaking loud to your people these days, Lord. Thank you for testimony, God, of your goodness, Lord. And, and thank you, Lord, that we can remember who brought us to this moment because you're going to see us through it. In Jesus' name.